Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of the House of X Book Club. Today with me will be Rob and Shane, two other members hey, of the Quiet Council. And That's what's your right. name, sir? My name is Roger, and I will be joining you for a good time today. Hey, now. <laughs> we got shut down because they thought we were trying to sell a good time. That's, so That's right. We're not, selling. That, we're not selling. We're just oh. giving it away. Oh, we're giving it that's, away. <laughs> hey, and I think that's that's on par for Instagram. I think, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not that's not unusual. <laughs> it's as Fishbone said, let them hoes fight. <laughs> So, so yeah, this is this is our second episode, and we're going to talk about uh, issues four and five, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yep. Well, and, we do. And, to and be again, fair, there's... this first one we kind of bounce around because we didn't really have a format or an idea that we were recording this to to be a podcast. It was just so that we could kind of listen to it, and chuckle at our chuckling. Yeah, it's well, organic, man. It's yeah, organic. And, Roger's totally for the organic uh, value here. I got to say it, it is organic. And I, I probably heard this recording like a dozen times and have laughed my ass off every single time. Um, I think we're just fucking funny to listen to, but yeah. Well, you know, you know it's great when like Roger that. shits on dead people. That's... That's, oh God. <laughs> I'm all um, in for that. <laughs> their disclaimer, the family of Jack Kirby may not want to listen to this episode. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, and I love that you, well, I'm just going to spoil it. You respect Jack Kirby. I do. <laughs> I mean, the man is a, was a legend, even in his time, people respected him and looked up to him. They still do. He was no, a workhorse. Yeah. It's just me being me. Yeah. That's well, I mean, I no, say. but to be fair, when we listen to this, like the X-Men was not a priority at the time. It's not the, it's not the powerhouse that it is now. Right. That book exactly. was a C tier book that they just wanted. So the, the whole Marvel thing of get as many books out there as you can. So mm -hmm. that you is, has started back in the sixties. And it's carried through to today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the damn truth. Um, great. Well, uh, with that said, why don't we get into it? So issue number four is, um, we, well, we go back one. We go back to, to Magneto. Now, this is the collection, right, of, uh, this is Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, right? This is where the evil mutants show up. Right, right. And and they're gonna take over a country, a whole country. Um, Magneto steals a freighter, and I don't know why those guys don't call the cops because a freighter can't be too hard to catch up to. Yeah, but... I was I was I was confused by that because he stole a freighter that had guns on it. Mm. Like it wasn't like a war. It wasn't like a warship. It was like well, oh, you know, here this thing yeah. is for like hauling beets and murder. Yeah, that might be why they didn't call the cops. You know? <laughs> They're like, "Oh shit, we can't do anything about it." <laughs> now, number just real quick, I want to go back. I want to go back to number three real quick because okay. it had another weird thing where Jean Grey was able to use her her telekinesis to untie the blindfold, but yeah. then yeah. had to summon a knife to 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 cut the ropes because she couldn't <laughs> untie them. Those ropes tied very well. I guess so. That was that was not a simple knot. That was some pretty good shit. 
Um, <laughs> besides, Professor Xavier hadn't taught her hadn't taught her yet the art of rope tying. I see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's interesting. And, and what I think also is funny about that is it took her a while to figure out she could even do it. Like right. Xavier had to tell right. her, mm -hmm. "You can actually use your powers to untie that blindfold." Or well, then you it's could like, well, like how this. Do you know? How do you know what she can do and she can't? Right. Have you mind wiped her a few times? I mean, <laughs> yeah, how many times yeah. have you flashy thinged me? Okay, you guys, <laughs> I want you to look right here. <laughs> <laughs> so we go back to, to number four. Magneto and his brotherhood have taken over the, the country of Santo, Santo Marco. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it's pretty easy. They do it, I think, all because of mastermind, right? Yeah, he he makes it look like Magneto has an army, and they're like, "All right, we give up." Yep, yep. <laughs> He's got one freighter and like a million soldiers with guns. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but and then, then I he think starts he does... recruiting actual people and and does yeah. build like a real army. Yeah. Right. Right. But then he, even then, but like before that, like all of a sudden, what, Professor X can astrally project. And pull other people in from thousands of miles away. Are you talking about Magneto? Yeah, that's that's magnetism for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Magneto can astrally project as well uh, because he has well magnetism. <laughs> um, as we we're gonna see here in probably like our next our next read through is that magne magnetism can do anything. And including hypnotized people. So, um, <laughs> but um, one thing I think happens in this issue too is, well, kind of what happens in all the issues. It's almost like the issues start out with the team uh, working out in the danger room or, you know, dodging flying saw blades or, you know, big Apparently flying long-term reconnaissance out over random boats. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, uh, Angel was just kind of cruising along over Central America. <laughs> He's like, well, Cuba's nice this time of year. Uh, what is going on in Santa Marco? It's an empty ship. No big deal. Yeah. And he flies off. Yeah. Why were all the people in Santa Marco white? Because comics. Yeah. They, I mean, they were, I mean, they were. I think they, Roger said it best. Yeah. That's the they were all audience. whiter than me. And that's saying yeah. something. Well, dude, when you don't walk any farther than the parking lot, I mean, seriously. That's, that's all you're going to see, dude. Yeah. I love, I, I love how all of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants look like they hang out and smoke weed. And then Magneto, Magneto yeah. looks like he's just on a constant meth bender. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I gotta say that that mastermind is one of the skeeziest looking dudes. Right. He's got that straggly greasy hair. He's got like, like he's gonna, bags under his bags. Like he's gonna um, go up and just flash people or something. With his <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is so skeezy looking um, and smoking all the time. Like he's a chain smoker. Like, right. I, I, I wonder if he was based on a real person. Ooh. because and i say that seriously because kirby's artwork yeah always has like a very similar look and feel to the faces yeah. 
but this one's really, he really looks, different. Yeah. Like specifically different. It's, it, it was Jack Kirby's brother-in-law. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're always having to lend him money, you know. <laughs> he sleeps in the garage. Um, <laughs> he owns a long coat. Yeah, then one day he sold their television set. Um <laughs> I'll teach that son of a bitch for masturbating in my easy chair. <laughs> so, so um, I was talking to Shane before we started that I did a little research on, um, I, you know, I mean, I'm wondering, I'm curious, and I want to hear what other people think about uh, the politics and the social, um, you know, commentary that's going on in and around the comic books. But I'm also like interested in stuff like, you know, the art and, and the writing, but also, you know, when we started getting into comics, we were all about the art or the writing. I mean, we loved good stories, but when we saw great art, dude, we were crazy about it. The world was crazy about it, but, but I think specifically us three, we were story guys. We liked good yeah. stories. Um, what I, so, well, so clearly I didn't because I read the original Guardians of the Galaxy. So that puts me out. <laughs> well, you know, well that's art, funny. The art wasn't even good in that though. No. Well, that, well we were talking good. about we I was actually talking with some friends about that yesterday. And you know what? Everything with, with Valentino aside, when all of those guys left, he was the only one whose books came out on time. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I I was not a night, fan of his art. Yeah. Uh, Shadowhawk. Shadowhawk. Yeah. I was yeah. I was not a fan of his art. I wasn't a fan of his writing, but I was impressed with his work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> he got his stuff out on time. It's true. Um well, I mean it, you think about it, like with like you said, with like we're talking about the art for this arc of the book, it's impressive that he was that Jack Kirby was drawing as many books as he was. But yeah. you can also see for Stanley and Jack Kirby, X-Men was not the top priority. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah every, I mean, you, you just. I, I noticed, I noticed early on, like Rob was saying, the backgrounds aren't there. There's yeah. like, there's a window or a door. That's yep. it. And it's just basically like a splash of color and that's all. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, so I did some research on, I, I was curious for one about the colorist which I couldn't really find any information on because they're not listed. But who is listed is um, S. Rosen, who is the, uh, the letterer. And I, I, you know, oftentimes I would think about the inker. Yeah, I know he's not just a tracer. <laughs> but, you know, Your the mother's inker's, a tracer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the inker definitely influenced how the art looked. Right. Um, and actually, we'll notice it in these early issues of X-Men because pretty soon, I mean, Paul, Paul um, Reinman, I think is his name, is um, the inker, but we get a new inker at some point. And interestingly, you, you definitely notice the change, right? But who ever looks at the letterer? He's like the drummer in a band, man. You know, He's just back in the back, and you know he keeps a beat, but nobody really pays attention to him. You only um, notice when he's not there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, so Sam Rosen was one of three letterers that Marvel Comics had. They only wow. had three at the time, and it was Sam, it was his brother Joe, 
and it was a guy named Artie Simic. Okay. And Artie Simic did, I mean, they all three worked on X-Men, but they all yeah. three worked on Amazing Spider-Man and the Avengers and Captain America and the Hulk. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But Sam Rosen is responsible for designing all of those logos. Um, oh, wow. You know, Ooh. and I think those logos, especially Amazing Spider-Man, that logo is still the logo. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, X-Men has changed a handful of times, but Captain yeah. America, the Avengers, the Avengers have changed too, but. Incredible but, Hulk was there forever, dude. Ever. Yeah. I mean, they still use yeah. the same basic design because it's always that X that's bigger than the other letters. But, yeah. but the X, I don't know if you'll be able to see this because it's, yeah, it's phone and it's color. Okay. Uh, but the <laughs> X is jagged on the ends. Uh-huh. It's like wood has been broken, you know. This yeah. Broken cross. And, and that does change throughout time. Um, the logo changes a handful of times, but he designed that. And of course, back in the 60s, all the lettering was done by hand. Um, he actually was like, you know what? I'm going to do this and it's going to be cool. I want to show everybody. Okay, so right here where Magneto's yelling, I mean, that word, the lettering thicker. What do you think about that? Doesn't it denote yelling? And they're like, yeah, 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 that's great. Okay, well, right here, when Jean Grey is kind of talking quieter, her voice trails off. I'm going to make those letters smaller. What do you think about that? And they're like, that's great. And and they're like, all right, let's make these the rules. This is how you do it, <laughs> you know. So yeah. Sam Rosen was like a pioneer. He was super important, um, and he'd been doing lettering since the, before the '60s. He was a calligrapher, and so he did a lot of stuff, uh, including commercial design. Like he designed, you know, uh, stores logos and stuff like that. Um, but at any rate, his last piece that he did his last comic book was in the 70s and it was a captain america issue um and apparently let's see joe yeah so his last marvel work was a 20 page story in captain america 136 and it was december of 1972 mm -hmm. um he wasn't able to finish it because of he had what they call the nervous breakdown and and uh that was his final work in the industry. That was it. He ended up dying in the 90s. Um, but, uh, you know, he was one of three guys for the longest time. So that had to be some like nerve wracking shit, you know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> and to get the books out on time. So yeah. now at the time they were writing it, um, Stan and Jack worked in the same office. And, you know, th there are different ways to write a comic script uh, or a comic book period. One is you can, you can plot it, you can write the plot, then you have the artist draw the artwork for the plot, and then you script wherever the, uh, the art allows, mm -hmm. you know. Um, or you can flat out write the script as a movie script almost, and then the artist kind of works with that. But this, these two guys were talking the whole time they were doing it. He's like, well, right now, what do you think if, uh, you know, Magneto uses something to focus his power through to move the missile? And Jack's like, yeah, 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 I'll do that right now. I'll draw that up. So it was all like that. And then Sam had to come in and go, oh, fuck. <laughs> what do I do? How do I make this work? Um, but he had to do that with like so many books. You know, 
him and Art and 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 Joe were the only guys. So I'm not surprised he had a a meltdown. Yep. You know. Well, I would think that having to end every sentence in an exclamation point would cause a man to have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like that's go, how you tell people that they're talking louder <laughs> yeah. yeah he gets home honey i'm home <laughs> she's like okay what's for dinner <laughs> you know uh sam do you think maybe you can put a dot 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 after every sentence that might help <laughs> um, so but anyway yeah i found this interesting and and of course going into you know, the first five issues, I'm, I'm now always looking at the letterer and the inker. Um, uh, in, I think it's in number six, actually. So I won't say anything. Well, in won't number six, I, yeah, I won't spoil it for you. I'll bring it up, though. <laughs> number six, I'll bring it up. We'll talk about it. Um, so anyway, that, that was just something I, I am now and forever going to be thinking about, you know, the 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 letterer i think it was dave cockrum who who actually did all his lettering or it was somebody who was involved in the uncanny x-men run right when the uh, the new team comes around right um who actually did their own lettering and they continued to do it by hand um throughout their career even though at some point it was all done with like you know, fonts and, and computer, you know, computer yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of cool. Yes, One sir. thing I wanted to talk about was um, Jack Kirby's art. No, I, I respect Jack Kirby, but I'm not a fan of his art, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell this was coming. I just looking at your face and you're just like, oh, damn. <laughs> so tell me I, about I, it, I, Roger. I, and I, you know, I did a quick google search last night of his kind of his biography mm -hmm. man he did i don't know how many books this guy did shit for marvel he did mm -hmm. dc and there was some third company i've never heard of mm -hmm. he was prolific but at the same time i really don't feel like artistically he evolved that much now i'm sure yeah. there's someone out there that would, that would say i'm wrong but dude, he did a lot of those like uh, I call it call it gorilla man poses where the the characters are like reaching out their hand or their arm. Like there's uh, I think issue three or four of X Men, he's got like the guys running, and Scott Summers is not running. He's I don't know what he's doing. He's this weird, super weird, awkward pose. And I almost had the feeling like. Like, I don't know what his formal training was, if he had any, but I really felt like he needed to learn bi biology better or I don't so, know, help me out here. I, so, I'm not, I don't want to slam on him. but I know people that are huge Jack Kirby fans. And so I usually just have to zip it <laughs> because, <laughs> I, but so my understanding well, is, on, is like on the, Shane, on on that level, I know people that are huge Rob Liefeld fans too. Yeah, well, I was oh, I, I'll, I'll I'll rip their shit right to their face. <laughs> well, well the, but here's the difference, guys. Kirby, I know that Kirby was prolific and he was busy as hell, and he had to do panels and books quick because he had to go on to the next one. Right. These are mm -hmm. these were the days where 
the more work you did, the more you got paid, right? Yeah, and oh, he they, was doing. They'd, they'd kick out four or five yeah, books. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I they would kick out an issue in a day or two. Yeah, but the the thing, the difference with Liefeld is, Liefeld went style, and he he and he bit McFarland's style. But that's all he could do. He couldn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. He didn't know anatomy or anything else. So that right, right. so Liefeld's failure was style over substance, whereas I think Kirby's failure was they're grinding him to the stone to get shit done. Quantity over quality. Exactly. Yeah. And plus, my it's like my understanding is is that his his drawing style was kind of odd, and I think it lent mm-hmm. itself to that odd pose you're talking to, and that I was told that he started from the outside and then worked in on the character. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that would explain the weird poses and the odd shaped bodies. Well, yeah, and yeah the, the bodies were always very blocky. In fact, I read something last night that he drew the first Spider-Man like concept, but it looked too much like yeah. the incredible Hulk. And, oh, and wow. so, yeah. And so, um, that's when uh stanley i think was it ditko or somebody else yeah, did because he did the he did a, a a tall thin teenager whereas kirby did a mature muscular man and stanley was like no dude you're missing the point so yeah interesting, interesting. yeah that's there are like there it seems like a lot of times like these costumes and it's supposed to be maybe it's because i spent a good majority of 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 my life working with 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 men and women who glide their trade in exclusively spandex but <laughs> these aren't it this is yeah. i mean if like like this these costumes if if a, if a wrestler had worn these costumes, we would have talked shit about them the whole time they were out there in the ring. It's like, looks like he's about to shit his pants. <laughs> well, and they all well, do it. All looks like they're wearing adult diapers. Yeah. If you think about it too, their clothes, the way that they are, it, it's almost like, oh, what is that? The Incredibles where uh, the, the clothing designer, the costume designer says no capes uh-huh. um, because capes are drapey and they're in the way and they're dangerous. Get caught on things. Yep. Yeah, they get caught on things. Well, these clothes do too. I mean, you know, you've got you've got a panel where Jean Grey is like uh, admiring herself in front of the mirror because she looks like Christian Dior designed her costume, um, and she says that even. Yep. But but if you're fighting a, a, a handsy villain, he could grab a hold of any part of that costume and yank you around. And yep. And I'm speaking of the. To- gonna defend the diaper a little bit and i'm so mad about it i'm so Diapers mad about necessary. it <laughs> yeah go ahead. I'm, I'm really mad about it i read grant morrison's book super gods or whatever the hell it was called yeah. and, and it was a, a bit about talking about comic book characters as sort of modern mythology and all this mm-hmm. and he talked a bit about superman's costume and the sort of underwear on the outside and it was um sort of a call back to circus circus or carnival costuming mm-hmm. and so um even though you had the whole big unitard thing you know long sleeve and all that it, but that, that sort of underwear on the outside look was sort of the sort of strong man's yeah. um costuming and yeah. so you're you're getting a little bit of the sort of hailing back to the sort of circus performer uh look Right. But that actually serves a purpose too. 
So like besides, you know, the, the, the throwback and the callback with the Superman suit, but the reason, the reason that Superman would wear those on the outside is, and this is again, from working in wrestling for so long is, Mm -hmm. is they would do the same thing. They would have the long tights, Mm -hmm. but then they would put, because then the, 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 the underpants, the underpants that were on the outside kept the, the, the leggings from sagging and dropping down. But in, in this particular art, it looks like everyone is wearing um, their, their grand, uh, remember in kindergarten when you would have to wear your dad's shirt to finger paint and they <laughs> go in and, they, and that everyone is wearing their dad's shirt to go and fight crime. And, and if we, if we talk about the colorist for a second, like, especially in, in, in the fourth issue um, it, 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 with the military, um, what, what jungle are they fighting in that purple is a good camouflage or a good uniform <laughs> for for fighting in mm, yeah that's a good point <laughs> so going back to to jack's art of course raj you brought up yeah. uh, his style and such there's and we were talking earlier about you know how artists uh, so I brought up Liefeld and how he would sample, he would use yeah. art that he had done and, and you know, submitted as, well, there's a panel in there where um, in the first issue, Magneto is in his secret base near Camp Citadel, and he's using his hands on the equipment that he's got, he's pushing buttons. I swear it's the same exact panel, or if not the panel, the same hand in the issue where they're taking over Santa Marco and he's like, yeah. yeah. Well, so. I, there's not only that, but there's, there's this, there's a panel with the close-up close up of Magneto and, you know, you can see the eyes and a little bit of the mouth and mm-hmm. it's the exact same panel that I think they used it in like uh, the very first issue, right? Mm-hmm. And then they use it again in, I think, issue four or five. It's the same panel. Yeah. It's the same close-up. It's the same pose. Everything. Interesting. So, so I, I, I and, and, and again, coming back to the time thing, I totally get that. If yeah, you're using yeah. your own work over again, it's not like it's not your work. You're, you're not just, plagiarizing. <laughs> you're not plagiarizing. You're saving time. It's logical. Yeah. Well, all that and, takes me back to one of my, one of my favorite artists, who I don't have a lot of exposure with. I mean, I've, I would pick up his stuff. His covers are great, but he only does covers and that's Greg Land. And after researching Greg Land and hearing so many people like dog on Greg Land's art and talk about how much of a hack he is. And I'm like, these people are not dogging on Rob Liefeld. Why are they dogging on Greg Land? His work is beautiful. And then I realized it's because Greg Land is a great photographer. Um, he'll, he'll take a picture and then he'll basically draw or trace Mm. the photograph. Um, and then if you start looking at covers, you're like every superhero female, every female superhero is in the same pose on various covers. So you'll have, um, you know, black widow doing this pose with her gun. And then you look and you realize it's the same picture on the cover of mystique. Or, you know, <laughs> you know, or you'll have, uh, you'll have Pixie, I think, who's the, you know, she's got like a little dragonfly wings. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where she's kind of flying and then you, you go back and look at another cover that he did with Rogue and she's got the same pose. And then there's a cover with Storm who's in the same pose. And then there's the Wasp who's doing the same pose. It's, he, yeah. he's recycling all of it. Um, so they, you know, he's definitely recycling. He's, uh, and apparently his stuff was taken. He took, he would take stills from like uh, porn, porn films and make, you know, he would turn it into uh, Invisible Woman, you know, and it had to do with like the sexiness of the, the female uh, superheroes mm. and super, super villains. Um, and he was like, yeah, so what? I use porn to, to you know, <laughs> to make my art. So what? Well, but, but it's not un- it's not unusual for artists, at least back in the 60s and 70s, to use actual live models. In fact, right. I've read right. more recently that comic artists are still doing that. Yeah, yeah I are. think that there was like the a few years ago um, on Twitter for like a couple of weeks, Bill Sienkiewicz had had this um, picture of himself that he had taken where it was like, and he was naked and looking over his shoulder and it was like a, it was a model for something. And then just like, it just kind of blew up and it was people drawing <laughs> different variations of Bill Sienkiewicz <laughs> crouching <laughs> on the floor, looking over his shoulder. <laughs> it's like, this is just the best <laughs> But no, I mean, you could see, like, look, I, this is, so I'm looking at, I, I'm reading them out of the um, omnibus, so it's on yeah. page 93, issue four, right here. Um, this picture right here of the beast, that's yeah. the, from the cover of Captain America. Oh, interesting. That that's is interesting. absolutely the cover of Captain America, number one. Well, that panel right there, he... Uh, that panel in in use for the beast is used a couple different times yeah um the walls changed a little bit yeah um but but yeah that's and then yeah and then talking about backgrounds if you look at the panel right next to it it's just a black square yeah (laughs) yeah 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 see that's that's and it's then that's typical there's there's a splash of color there's the main character and then there's little to no background and it's like okay on to the next panel yep well, I, and all I, the uh, characters all the characters are in this like i am right now they're in the center of the panel there's no you know there's no artistic offset there's nothing breaking the edges it's all just like center of focus move you know and then you're well, on. this this brings me up to this brings me to to something that um you know, Raj, you and I, I think are reading these comics on Marvel Unlimited. Yes. And there's two ways you can read a comic book on Marvel Unlimited. That is, you can look at it page by page and turn the page, or you can look at it panel by panel. Yeah. Okay. Now, which do you prefer? I prefer page by page, but I find, because I'm using my iPad, that I zoom in. So I can see it just a little more clearly. Okay. But well, I have I done, I have done the, I did do down. the panel by panel when I first got it. Yeah. And I found that it's nice because you can, it does zoom in and everything around it's black. So you really get to focus. So I have written a couple, like a few different comic scripts and I have done it a few different ways. Obviously I'm not a pro at writing comic scripts or I'd be published all over the fucking place, but the layout of a comic book is designed both for the writer and the artist and, and yeah. the letterer as it turns out, right? Mm-hmm, so, right. and I was talking to Rowan about this the other night. You've got the panel and that's where all the action's going on. You've got the gutter 
which is the space in between the panels. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, um, and then you've got a thing called the bleed, which is, which is where images come off of the panel and out of the panel. Right. They break the frame. Bleed out the yeah, break frame. They bleed out of the panel. Um, in the early days, the gutter is just white space, and it isn't used for anything. Yep. Yeah. I mean, later it works out. Like in the '90s, they're freaking breaking the breaking the frame all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. And and then and then you get people like David Mack, who's like gutter. What the hell is that? You know, <laughs> and, and David Mack will just draw wherever he wants. You know, I mean, the gutter is where the lettering goes. That's where the <laughs> where the words go. <laughs> you know, so. Um, it's interesting how how they break conventions like that. How at some point somebody goes, "Well, this is how we do it, but let's try it this way." So, um, yeah. so I kind of I think early on uh, these early issues, I think page by page is is fine, but I kind of enjoy the panel by panel because you're right; it lets you focus on something. And, yeah. and and it lends towards more of a surprise. Like you're going from panel to panel and then boom, there's a panel with Magneto's big eyes staring at you. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, God, I, I can't imagine because like it even like for for in issue three, even like reading that, I was like, wait, where the fuck did the giraffe come from? And doing <laughs> panel by panel. The ice cream? Yeah, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on and then like so reading it on the ipad and just you flip and all of a sudden there's a giraffe <laughs> i was like yeah, but i'm yeah. like just mr analog here and even still i was like wait what the fuck and then i had to go for forward and then because i was like <laughs> just it well, threw me off <laughs> so before i realized i could actually go on to to marvel unlimited and read them on that i was reading them uh, page by page and so I did see all that coming but um, and I, I probably will still go back to doing it page by page uh, I like reading from a book and I like turning the page and there are times when you're turning the page where you'll get a big surprise on the next page and, and especially you know we talked about reading in the 90s like we would chat about it we would we would sit in the same room and read our comics together and talk yeah. about it um, where you're flipping through and there's so much action going on, there's so much excitement, then you turn the page and bam, the guy with the big gold helmet is Professor Xavier and he's, you know, he's got like, I don't know, Cyclops or Wolverine or somebody by the throat, you know, it, it's, it's mind blowing when that happens. So it's still cool and it's still exciting. Um, and I kind of, I kind of feel guilty saying I like reading it panel by panel sometimes. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think you should feel guilty about that at all, because I totally agree with that. And that's, but for me, I I I prefer to keep the whole page on my screen on my iPad, just because I like to keep the context of everything that's going on. Yeah. Because yeah, it, as dumb as it sounds, I'm one of those guys that when I'm reading a novel, as soon as I turn the page, I forget what I've read. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to keep that, that continuity going in my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I don't know. Cause I've, so I've tried, like I tried early on, um, give you an idea how early I tried. I had like the first volume of the ultimate X-Men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had that, like I had that on a CD ROM. 
And I, I, I really tried to, to like early on to read comic books. I just, everything else, like if it's, if it's art heavy, I can't seem to get into it the same in the digital as I do with the actual yeah. physical book in my hand. It's the same, like I can read novels. I prefer to read articles on my phone rather than like going and buying a magazine or a newspaper because I, I I'm constantly losing that shit. But you know, if I can read them on my phone, it's fine. But like when it comes to like, like books, like say like the D and D books or, or comic books, those are things that I l really love to have the physical book for. Yeah, same here, same here. Well, let's let's talk about the difference, okay? Not just the difference between digital and analog, but the difference between comics from the 80s and early 90s as opposed to digital, okay? Um, back in the day, we had newsprint. Mm -hmm. The, the X-Men were printed on newsprint. Um, the colors were not so vibrant. Mm -mm. okay not and as they were supposed to be no not as they were supposed to be and i'm talking from day one on the on the news rack the the colors were not vibrant now the colors were supposed to be vibrant but again you're printing on newsprint and it's not going to stick like that right so when you're looking at your book there the omnibus those colors are stark and they're crisp yeah, yeah and, they pop and mm -hmm. they they fade they fade like a I don't know. Well, the other issue with newsprint, like a prospector's you, dreams. Prospector's <laughs> dream. Yeah, newsprint in the desert sun. Through. There's a yeah. lot of bleed. You, I remember reading X Men books in the in the early '90s, and I could see what was on the back of the page. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I'm like, this is crap. This is why am I paying this much? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then of course they jack the price up and yeah. give you glossy pages. Yeah, yeah, but but I and I remember too because like when they when they first made the change. I think it was around the time that they brought Claremont back and started Extreme X-Men mm -hmm. and they had purchased Malibu comics because they had what was supposed to be at the time was the best software. And it was proprietary software that Malibu owned, if I remember correctly. And it was that they were, they were able to, they was supposed to be the best software that, that you could use to color comics. Mm -hmm. And then they tried to use it. And in that Extreme X-Men was the book that they tried it in and it was like all washed out. It was like high contrast. And it was like, is that Psylocke or Storm or, you know, the, the Black King? I can't. <laughs> but yeah. Well, that's, Shaw. yeah. That's, that's because you had somebody at Marvel trying to use a program they'd never used before. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so going back to issue four in four. Santa Marco. Yeah. Uh, the end of this, uh, the end of this issue, is pretty great. I think you have. I mean, actually, it's it's bullshit. Let me just say that it's 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 crap. So, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, now, this again is one of my favorite issues. But what happens is, uh, the place has fallen apart. The X Men have been fighting the new uh, the the um, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and. They're getting the crap beat out of them. I mean, they're giving they're giving it back, but but eventually the place is falling apart and there's a fire and they're like, oh no, we can't, you know, we're we're trapped. The fire is gonna get us. And and yeah. uh, and then Xavier comes rolling through the flames, being yeah. like, No, guys, it's cool. This is just an illusion. Come on. Um 
and yeah. <laughs> um, Rowan is quiet, and until <laughs> yeah, yeah, Professor Xavier's a jerk. So, um, but then he realized there's a bomb. Like they're going to go to the door and open the door, and he realizes that it's trapped. There's a bomb. So he leaps out of his wheelchair and shields the blast to protect the beast. Yeah. And and he gets blowed up. Um, and then he's in a coma. And then they're like, he he when he wakes up, he's like, I can't, I I have no powers. I can't read your minds. Uh, yeah. personally, I'm thinking, well, good. That's like right. I but, can <laughs> I can stop wearing the tinfoil hat while I'm pooping. Gene yeah. Gray can can you know undress at night and and breathe breathe you know a sigh of relief. Um, <laughs> uh, but but at any rate, and then they carry him home and they put him in a blanket and they tuck him in. You know. Yeah, but he did like it goes off the rails so quick right there yeah. because like they're pushing. An unconscious old man in a wheelchair. No, 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 no. He's twenty-five. Um. <laughs> and this is where what Roger was saying earlier, where Cyclops yeah. uses his eye beam to pick the lock on the door. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't he use his eye beam to push the wheelchair? Right. And then, and then, and then, yeah. So then they like all of a sudden, Jean Grey can levitate Professor X, and yeah. And, and keep him wrapped in a blanket. That's that's standard teleportation, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then oh look, they're like, here come Jean Grey's parents. How the fuck did any of them know who Jean Grey's parents were? I'm actually looking at that right now, and the beast is standing upside down on the ceiling. Yeah, just there standing there, like he's <laughs> Spider Man. Oh no no, he, he, says, he hangs he on gets, to shit. It's a flat ceiling. Yeah, it is. And he goes, "It's Marvel Girl's parents." And I'm like, "Yeah, like when did when did he ever meet them?" Well, now he could have seen pictures. Well, they were all drooling like dogs the first time she got introduced. So I don't think that he would have even noticed that they were even there. Yeah, you got a big point. But yeah, so I mean, <laughs> photos or something. They they yeah, weren't there when she showed up. Shane Shane's right. Around. I mean, like this this issue is a little more complex in the writing, yeah. but it's also kind of all over the place. Yeah. And this is issue number five now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and, and like, and like, like when, and like on the next page, when Scott Summers gets randomly locked in the danger room and sets it off, yeah. it's like, it's like, so you needed to fill a page and a half. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> there's no reason. I mean, right. yeah. Well, that whole whole opening segment is like so that Jean Grey's parents can come and visit, so they can drive by Mastermind when they leave. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> they don't really do anything while they're there. They're just like, oh, we wanted to come say hi, and yeah, and then maybe talk to Professor Xavier, and then they're like, well, we can't talk. You can't talk to him because he's in a a bomb induced coma and doesn't have his powers. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's taking a nap right now. Um, uh, and they're like, well, that's too bad. Uh, now, here's the thing, okay? Jean's parents obviously don't know why she's there because the mom is like, why are you wearing these glasses indoors? You know, these sunglasses indoors. And Scott's like, don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't take them off. Um, so obviously, they don't know what mutants are, and which tells me that they don't know why Jean Grey is there, which wants me to, it makes me want to say, 
how did Professor Xavier cajole those people into getting him, getting them to hand over their daughter? Well, yeah, I'd like, yeah, I'd like your 16-year-old daughter to come and live with me and four other dudes. <laughs> oh, don't it's... worry. One of them is gay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there's, there's some not-so-subtle subtext where there's a panel with Jean's mom as she's reaching for Scott's glasses. She says something about they were impressed to learn that some of their courses are classified top secret by the government. Like, what, the, what? what yeah well out of nowhere just there it is ro- yeah you know you're you're learning top secret rocket design stuff yeah and, yeah uh, you know espionage um how to be a super spy the <laughs> recipe the cooking class has recipes of the white house that's what um, happened is is that perfect <laughs> for a teenager the the first the first run of x-men like the first what it was like 63 issues right it was actually they they were all normal people they were just a part of mk ultra <laughs> acid <laughs> that's a story that needs to be written right <laughs> they all think they're superheroes but actually they're just huh. tri- tripping balls at the bathtub at the holiday inn yeah <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I love that. That is a good X Men story, and you could spell it E X Men. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so issue five's got a couple of cool things in it uh, that show up. Uh, for one, Asteroid M. Yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, and his magnetically powered ship. Hmm. Uh, also, Mastermind, who is, is turning out to be my favorite supervillain. Um, that skeezy little creep. He, uh, he, and I'm saying this because I run a, a Marvel role-playing game, and Mastermind is virtually unstoppable. You know, you never know where he's going to be, you, unless you get Xavier to just wipe his mind right away. Right. Uh, I mean, but then who knows? Xavier might be Mastermind. He's creepy and and unstoppable and i don't know i like him a lot and of course he does become a really big villain in my mind he's more powerful than magneto but because he's such a a dipshit he you know he's a cowering he's a coward he's a coward yeah and and that's the thing that that makes him you know magneto subservient you know um yeah you know i mean even the toad talks shit to him you know yeah (laughs) so uh but but i i like him a lot because i think that as a super villain if he got his shit together he would be he'd be seriously unstoppable right yeah Yeah. it's it's kind of like the the marvel tv shows from netflix you know the purple man Um, yeah yeah right right in 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 what was the show it was uh jessica jones right yeah Um, yeah he's scary as fuck and and that comes from uh brian michael bendis i think yes that was the alias run yeah so in alias he is scary he is just downright scary and you feel like he is unstoppable but before that like from the 70s and 80s he was written as like just a throwaway villain just wanted to rob banks or something yeah you have this power dude you could control the world Mm -hmm. and you're fighting daredevil 
you know, <laughs> yeah. why don't you go kick Galactus's ass? Cause you could probably pull that off. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. And it's like, they recently did another uh, Jessica Jones mini series called the variants. Yeah. And she is still dealing with the emotional and mental trauma from that purple man story and the late 80s early 90s it just yeah yeah, it was just some just fucked up kookaboo shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, i mean i i'm traumatized by that that i'm not all of a sudden that just it got so that like that when that yeah that was like one of I, i seem to remember that was like one of the darkest comic book stories i think i had read at that time yeah that was a special, well, a special, specifically in the mainstream. Now like remember, alias, alias was a Max title. Yeah. So they were playing around with being dark. Yeah. Um. So so that was a thing, and you know the Punisher was really good at the time. It was dark. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, you know, Alias. They did. Uh, Glenn Favory did the uh, the. Drew the Thor issue where yeah. it was called Vikings. I think the miniseries was called Vikings, and it was you know the dead Vikings coming, you know, coming onto shore. Um, so and Marvel Max was definitely came, playing with it. Yeah, Max was coming out like I get they were like a few years behind the what became the Vertigo imprint, like because um, they had already had like Constantine for a while, and they had had Swamp Thing. Yeah, DC right. had had Swamp Thing forever. But like when it came together as like a cohesive universe, yeah, and were and they were kind of allowed to tell more mature stories, and that was when they did books like Haywire, and the dude had split personalities, and one of those personalities had like this suit of armor that would appear, and it was yeah, just like that whole just very different and kind of really dealing more with the psychological side of being a superhero rather than just you know i've got the pants <laughs> let's go beat up beat up some pad guys <laughs> i've now, got the underwear yeah. yeah now you're talking about the darkness of comics and uh looking back what i've figured out in, in mainstream anyway is that there are some writers and artists that can write a really dark comic and let's let's go back to, i mean we're scooting over marvel and going to dc really quick but the sandman um not neil gaiman sandman but the previous guy the guy in the yellow red costume yeah um i think it i think it was steve ditko who wrote who drew that series and i had already read neil gaiman sandman but reading that and putting two and two together using Neil Gaiman's mythos and attaching it to that series, which came years before, mm-hmm. that series felt really dark. And, <laughs> and part of it had to do with Ditko's art. Yeah. Art style. And he drew, but he drew a little differently in that book too. I feel like, and it may have been the, the, the anchor that he used, but I feel like the art, the lines were a little bit heavier than it was when he went to do Spider-Man. It was definitely a little bit different art style. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. the people grow and change as an artist, which is a good thing, but it definitely, it was definitely a different art style. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah. like, I feel like that, like, there was, there was such a pullback when the comics code was invented that 
they just were so slow to try and push on those boundaries and try to test those walls that it was it was 30 or 40 years before they tried to do anything that was like that gold key era yeah. of of well, horror what's what's on top of that on top of that you had guys like oh you know the artist for superman uh, I forget if it was Siegel or Schuster, whoever drew Superman, but while he was doing that, he was, he was drawing like BDSM comics. Um, oh, wow. Not mm. for DC, but you know, his own thing. Yeah. Well, clearly. I've seen the art. <laughs> I've, seen the, I've seen the art. It's, it's amazing. I mean, again, you've got, you got women tied up, you got, you know, whipping and, and, you know, it, it was kinky shit. Um, well, isn't so, that how Wonder Woman started out? Yep. That kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um now going to oh yeah so back at at number five x-men number five like i said we had some pretty cool shit that popped up professor's unconscious because of the the explosion from last issue he comes up he's like i got no powers um and then all of a sudden he's not he's not <laughs> i was and, like and i was like <laughs> yeah so <laughs> nobody so, and nobody was like hey you're up Hooray! Now, now is, isn't there, isn't it in the book, isn't it uh, the toad starts kind of wandering off and they're like, what's going on with toad? Where's he going? Yeah. And, and so they follow him. They get in his little shuttle and go to asteroid M and they're like, this might be a trap. You know, he's probably trying to lead us to Magneto. This could be a trap. Uh -huh. And then they get there and mastermind's like, you survive the X-Men? What are you doing here? And they're like, nope, it's not a trap. And they attack. <laughs> is it just me or is it's Professor Xavier who's controlling him, right? It, yeah, I think now that you're, you're saying, I didn't put two and two together at first, but now that we're saying it, it's patently obvious. Yeah, it was Xavier yeah. controlling him. So What a uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there she goes again. Now, I disagree. <laughs> I, I, this one time, I'm going to stand up for him. I'm going to say, I think it's a brilliant strategy because... The students didn't know, so they took advantage of the situation, and he was controlling him secretly. It's really rather brilliant. I mean, it's sneaky and it's underhanded, but it's you know, he still, he still could have said book, he justifies it. He says he, why have, he did it. He could have told yeah. the students he was doing it. <laughs> well, it was part, but it was part of the test. Yeah. God. So that's so that brings us to the end of that that issue. Yeah. They they do it. They defeat magneto and the brotherhood of evil mutants they go back home and uh he's like guess what i'm okay and they're like what yeah <laughs> and he goes no no i was testing you the whole time uh it's cool and they're like it's cool yay i'd have been like fuck it's cool two demerits <laughs> <laughs> so, have so many demerits there's there, I mean, there's, yeah, as it, as it goes on, I'm like, so one of the things that kind of tripped me out first was that all of Magneto's ships and vessels are all monogrammed. Mm -hmm. And yeah. oh, yeah. Not, even his soldiers. Yeah, yeah even I, his soldiers. I'm not saying that that's a bad idea. I'm just saying when you're trying to take over the world or kill a good portion of the population you might want to go a little bit more low-key like, <laughs> like for instance you could have used the logo that was on the freighter originally because those guys are already running from the law right <laughs> yeah. um no that's not no. magneto that's um 
Hector. Hector. <laughs> There's an H on all the all the soldiers. Um, so so I want to keep this in mind, right? Now you know how in this run Xavier was really harsh and was like, "To me, my X Men, if you don't get here in three seconds." whoop your ass there's punishment uh -huh. uh, and then they're all kissing his ass um you know rubbing his feet it's the same thing with the brotherhood of evil mutants mm -hmm. magneto is a dick to every single one of them he's like yelling at them and you know later on the the retcon is that scarlet witch and quicksilver are his kids mm -hmm. um and magneto is more of a sympathetic character like Honestly, I love Magneto. I think he's great. And uh, I kind of believe in what he was doing because fuck, you know, he'd been through some shit, but we don't know that. And he certainly wasn't written that way in the beginning. And Magneto's like, you know, humans, more humans. Yeah, humans will, uh, homo, homo sapiens will be our slaves. And that's really what he wants. It's not about later on, we find out that he's, uh, survivor of the Holocaust, yeah. um, which I got to do the math again. I did it at one point to see, well, how old is he now? Um, <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's not like that. It's more like I'm a mutant and I want to take over the world and make it for you know, just basically have a a world run by mutants and and uh, and you know, even the mutants though that he has on his team, he's he treats them like shit. Uh, now, later you you're like, okay, well, the reason he's the way he is is because they killed his family. Well, knowing that Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are your kids, why you treat them like shit? Right. This is supposed to be for them, right? <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's got to be the math. Yeah. The I mean, math. <laughs> it's but the math. One of the things I did notice that on the covers that that they're using the Scarlet Witch's green costume. Uh -huh. But then she's you wearing the crimson costume in the book. Issue, and I was like, issue three, she has the green costume on. Oh, uh, at the at the end of issue three. No, three, three, uh, three not three, four. Uh, four. Yeah, in issue four, she's wearing the green costume. So uh, she's got the co green costume on the cover. Uh huh. But she first appears on page four, and she's wearing the crimson costume. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. I think, but you know what? Between the cover art and the interior art, there was, there was a lot of times where um, the color would get changed. Yeah, that's true. I know editorial decisions or or lack of communication. Like that's I, that's how the Hulk went from uh, gray to green. Gray to green originally. Same same with the Beast. Well, actually, the Beast was gray. Um, he was supposed to be black, but when they colored him and they used blue for black. Yeah. Um, it looked like he was that, blue. Yeah, the next guy that took over was like, well, obviously he's blue, so he made him all blue. Right. Uh, but well, that's that's interesting. But, but, you know, later on, when when things get retconned later on with Magneto's backstory and the kids, mm -hmm. he's still a dick to them. Yeah, he's still yeah. an abusive prick father. I mean, it, that never really changed. Yeah, it it does later, uh, and then and then he discovers that well i don't know i don't know how that worked out exactly because i was uh taking a hiatus but apparently quicksilver and scarlet which are not his children yeah um, yeah and now it's kind of gray it's like it's it's yeah. definitely kind of gray and nebulous where because that was like you i think have you read through the trial of magneto yet yeah, yeah and yeah, it was yeah. kind of it kind of seemed almost like 
Oh, remember when I told you that? I might have been kidding. Well, he he does a thing where, you know, it, it somebody kills Scarlet Witch, and they think it's Magneto, and there's a whole big thing. But when it all gets resolved, he holds her, he hugs her, and he says, you'll always be my daughter, no matter what. When is Magneto that fucking tender to Scarlet Witch? I mean, right. God. <laughs> when she's dead, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, it, it, where we are in the current, like in one through five, he's playing on her mental illness. He's manipulating her. Because right. He's he won't gaslighting leave. her. He's gaslighting yeah. her constantly. She won't leave because she feels like she owes him because he saved yeah. her from the villagers with the pitchforks and the torches. And, uh, and then you know, Quicksilver's just there to make sure that she's okay. He, well, you want to talk about an unhealthy relationship, dude? There it is. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's not go. Let's not go. Ultimate X Men or Ultimate. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ultimate. Uh, uh, Ultimates, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, right. Wasn't it that? Wasn't the Ultimates where they were? They were uh, the brothers. Yeah, there was some of that. Yeah, they Ultimates. were. And also with the, uh, was it fin- Finris? Oh yeah, Twins? that well, that's 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 in the regular X Men book. Can, that's canon, yeah, but right I mean, there, no, yeah. in the Ultimates though, they like it's like right there. Yeah. So I will say, in issue five, Iceman does some wacky shit with his powers. Mm-hmm. Like he builds that tunnel between two different portions of the 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 asteroid, and it's totally badass. All I have to say, all I have to say is in the Marvel game, if we had had Iceman do that shit, Havoc would be alive today. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the beginning of the thing, it's he like throws this disc and it becomes like this gigantic like sheet of ice on the ground. And it's like, well, how did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. how did he make how did he make that tube in space where there's no moisture? And it's already like negative 250 degrees or some shit. He, well, but he, isn't his power know. like ice creation? He's not, he's not, it's not weather manipulation. No, I don't think not... so. I disagree with that because oh. there were there well, some me, issues where let me, let somebody me step dried in out quick. the air. There wasn't enough moisture. Let me step in real quick. Now, that's true. I think what they've done is they've retconned this away um, because Iceman could actually turn his entire body into ice like not human flesh anymore it's just ice mm-hmm. yeah um and and so before it was like he covers himself in ice no he actually can become ice not only that but he but, can create but, but duplicates of ice so if 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 this is true and he's at a party and someone comes up with an ice pick and ships off his arm to cool off everyone's drinks is he going to regrow his arm he yes can. He he's got like can. he's got like that Deadpool level regeneration. <laughs> yeah, in ice form. Yeah, in ice form. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's modern day Ice Man. This is so. Is, is this part of the continuation of uh, the idea that all the mutants had like a secondary mutation? No. They, luckily, they've gotten rid of that. I mean, it. Uh, you know, I think Mystique can still have scales, but they never show her looking like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Toad still looks like a, a green-skinned guy with a big tongue, and he's like, you know, he he looks like his mutation went secondary. Mm-hmm. But this is really just evolution of them, and they don't really go into 
a secondary mutation per se. This is just like, this is now what he can do, you know? And they, yeah. they have met the Iceman from the future and he was a goddamn ice wizard. I mean, he had like a big beard and he had like a pointy hat and he was like doing <laughs> magic with ice. It was crazy. Um, so it's just the idea that he's learning about his powers and learning how to use them better. I'm pretty sure that that's how it goes anyway. But, but the fact that Xavier, God, he might as well just stand up out of that goddamn chair because you know he ain't crippled. Right? Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just feel like he's, you know, he is messing with these kids' heads so bad that, that, you, you can't trust him for anything, <laughs> you know, because he's like, ah, I was fine the whole time. I was just playing because I wanted to test you guys. Congratulations. You're all graduated. Um, Maybe he's ambulatory. Oh, no. I'm OK. I, I know he's I know he can't walk. I'm just saying don't trust. He him. can move well enough to throw himself out of the chair. Yeah. I mean, that was he's yeah, got that's really what I mean. Maybe he's body, ambulatory. Upper body strength is great. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> Or it's his neck. He can thrust the neck. He's, he's a dick for so many other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, he, he ends up, you know, he ends up with a big smile. The last panel of the whole damn issue is him surrounded by this caption of, of words. And he's just got this big grin on his face because he's so damn smug. Um, they went into outer space, which is another thing I want to talk about before we go. <laughs> they went into outer space before actual people did that. I mean, they, <laughs> I want to know that in 1969, when America went to the moon, how come they never said to the X-Men, why didn't you guys tell us it was going to be like this? <laughs> you know? Seriously. The X-Men yeah. and the Fantastic Four, they had to keep it all quiet. See, they, they couldn't yeah. let the population know that people had already been there. <laughs> Not only had we been there, but we've met aliens. Teenagers went there. <laughs> teenagers. Yeah, teenagers. There was a 16-year-old in space six years before. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you notice that in um, issue four, he has a secret island base. And then in issue five, it's Asteroid M. Yeah. The first Asteroid M. It's yeah. like, did he launch the island into space? Well, what's the here's, deal? Here's a little, here's a little uh, a spoiler for the distant future of X-Men. Um, you probably, I don't know if you've read this, and you probably did, but did you ever read the Utopia stuff when they were on Utopia? They had their own nation before Krakoa. And it was an island off the coast of San Francisco, and it was called Utopia. Um, Utopia was actually asteroid M raised after it crashed into the San Francisco Bay, and and they used it as their mutant their mutant nation. Um, okay. So it's it's very possible that that island was asteroid M. <laughs> I want to know yeah. how he gets that stuff launched without people without people asking questions, um, you know, or how does he build it without people asking questions, right? Yeah, don't 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 people want to know how he's like where he why he's buying such copious amounts of rocket fuel? Yeah. Yeah. Or or how about this? The government shouldn't want to take him down. They should want to hire him cuz Right? I mean <laughs> He's getting some shit done, you know. <laughs> so 
Well, I thought, any... it, I thought it was interesting at the end of book five that Xavier says that it's been a year that he's been training the X-Men. Yeah. So in, in well, five books, it's been a year. It ha- And it actually had because it, they didn't come out monthly. Um, yeah, I think it was, was every other month. There was a gap in some cases longer than that. There was yeah. a gap uh, between those. So it literally, yeah, it, it came out originally in the fall of 1963. And that was, I think, winter of 1964. So um, interesting stuff. I mean, you know, and and I mean, shit, man. Jack Kirby was drawing a lot of books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clearly. So, um, but at any rate, uh, we, we said two hours and two hours is coming upon us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm kind uh, of flipping forward a little bit to see what we have to look forward to. We've got Submariner. Yes, sir. We've got the Blob yeah. coming back. Yeah. Uh, Eunice the Untouchable. <laughs> oh, he's been touched. Yes, he has. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Yeah. Then what? Let's see. Go to number nine, and we've got um, oh the Avengers, mm-hmm. and and Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah, and then that. what I'm looking, I think what I might, and then and then in issue 10 is oh Kazar. Awesome. Pretty Kazar good. might be one of my favorite X-Men adjacent characters. Right on. But uh, he was really super cool during Jim Lee's run. I yeah. loved that Savage Land stuff. Yeah. But we're gonna what I what I'm looking forward to most of all is that it's just like I look at this first page, I'm like I'm interested in finding out how Iceman uses his icing power to make ice cream well he's got to have something to feed the damn giraffe <laughs> i guess so <laughs> yeah because yeah i was like they always show him eating ice like there's like three or four times he's eating ice cream i'm like yeah <laughs> well that's what stan lee thought the kids did a lot they you know he's the youngest he's the, the most boyish the most childlike let's just give him a lot of ice cream Uh, it was code for weed (laughs) (laughs) yeah there were a lot of analogs in the (laughs) x-men all right well thanks you guys thanks for coming 